What's up, y'all? My name is Malaku. You are listening to Fairly Odd Fairy Tales. And before we begin, you know the deal. We got to thank Owen, our overlord, for allowing us a place on this hellish realm to do our podcast. I also want to take a quick moment to thank the new addition to our team for the evening, Kate Waylon. Am I saying that correct? Yes, you are. Thank you, kind sir. Kate Waylon. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Brief sums. Uh, my name's Kate. I recently moved to Nashville during the uh, COVID season, um, but I've come to love and adore it. Um, I work at Lucky's Three Star Bar in Nashville. Shout out, best neighborhood bar in Nashville. Best neighborhood mm-hmm. bar, greatest hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. Thank you so much for that brief introduction. And uh, can you also real quick before we go on, because normally I either pick the cocktail or, or put it together, and I didn't this time. So why don't you tell us what you did and what you call it? What are we Sh- drinking? Sure, sure. So um, I have dubbed this one the Sea Witch mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Um, it's basically just a tiny twist on the classic French 75. Um, I did use the Empress Gin to give it kind of a purple, mystical, sea witchy vibe um, hue. Um, so yeah, it's got, uh, lemon juice, simple gin, and I did add some rosemary to shake up in there and, um, garnished with rosemary, which, you know, a little, little, uh, seaweed vibes there for you as well. It does definitely look, I was looking at that when you gave it to me, total seaweed vibes. <laughs> I fucking love this drink. It looks so Ursula, which is very appropriate, yes, wouldn't you say? Yes, Ursula does have purple skin. You are mm. correct. Now... Real quick before we jump into the story, we got to give our big hoots and hellos to our bad boy sitting on the other side of the table. That's Jay Rawls and Yo. Dizzy Rupski. Howdy, howdy. I just got to say, whenever I hear the word Kate, it reminds me of this great uh, Statler Brothers song. It goes, you can't have your Kate and Edith too, you rascal you, you delay who. So it's a good, good wordplay for your name. Wait, I need that song in my life. Yeah, it's called Kate and Edith. So you can't have your Kate and Edith too. Man. I'm actually yeah. going to go ahead. I mean, yeah. I know about the Ben <laughs> Folds one, but this one. Yeah. Kate and Edith too, is that the name of the yep, song? Yeah, exactly. All right, while I'm doing that, uh, real, let's go ahead and introduce the story. Or Drew, do you have anything you have to say for yourself? Not like you're in court, but like, do you have anything to say for yourself? I'll, t- I'll take the fifth on that one. <laughs> All right, rock and roll. Let's keep going. We're going to introduce the story. Tonight's story was inspired, actually, by Kate. And Kate's knowledge and background in this story didn't know that Josh also had some. So this is going to be real cool for all of us. But tonight, we're going to be talking about La the Little Mermaid. I don't know why I was going to try to make it Spanish. I tried hard, too. And I was like, I don't know how to say mermaid in Spanish. <laughs> La pequeña mermaid. <laughs> Yes. So, okay. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about the Disney version of the Little Mermaid, and uh, in the next episode, we'll go ahead and dive deeper into the Hans Christian Andersen one, which is one you know, correct? Correct. Um, indeed, and I am well versed in both. I look forward to it. Okay, good. I'm glad you know a little bit more about this Disney version. Now, this Disney version, before we go ahead and dive deeper, Josh, you said you knew something about the music? Well, I'm a huge Howard Ashman fan. He's one of the great tragic heroes of the of the Disney golden era. He wrote Beauty and the Beast. He wrote Little Shop of Horrors, which was not Disney, but it's something he takes kind of sole ownership over as the writer, the playwright. Um, and he, he uh, contributed to um, Little Mermaid. And he's one of the great songwriters. He died 
he died too young at age 40 from HIV AIDS, but he was a, he was a real genius. And on his deathbed, he actually wrote Aladdin, the Aladdin music. So is this back like in the 90s or something? That's correct. Yeah, in the 90s is when he passed. Is he the composer or the lyricist? Alan Minkin was the composer. Howard Ashman right. was the lyricist. It wasn't Tim Rice also on it? Yeah, Tim Rice was on it. There was a few other... Uh, there, there was actually a pretty long list of people, but the main themes and the music was written by Alan Minkin, who's yeah. of... Legend. Kind of a legend. And uh, Howard Ashman was a part of that crew as well. And he's just amazing. He was kind of a, kind of an interesting, depressed gay man who uh, was kind of a kind of a standout amongst the songwriters at that time, and just I just adore him, and I've learned a lot of his music recently, so I've been going in deep with uh, Ashman. That's I love awesome. that. Yeah. yeah. Do yeah. you mind if I uh, bring up a little bit of your your? Oh please, please share anything history. you want. Uh, so I'm I'm curious too. Is all of this newer information? I know that your dad probably around that era and time was working with Disney. Is this correct? He was at at the time of a lot of these movies. He was transitioning from working for Lieber and Stoller to uh, working at Disney, and he was involved at some at some capacity with Little Mermaid. Um, I think he was on the publishing side, so it was more of the business side after the album got the soundtrack got released. But yeah, we were surrounded by it. I I, I do distinctly remember going to the opening day of Little Mermaid when I was a kid. That's uh, the greatest thing I've ever heard. I'm so jealous. I would be very it jealous. Yeah. It was. I had. I had this, this kind of fantasy Disney childhood because my dad was a higher up at Disney during a lot of their stuff, and he was responsible for uh, Cheetah Girls and High School Musical and a number of those kind of straight to TV type things uh, that also had some interesting music in there. There's a lot of good music in the Cheetah Girls and in all of the High School Musicals. I will attest to this as having a younger sister. Yeah, but it's all I did. I, what I didn't know when I was bringing this up is that your dad was around in that era for publishing. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I don't know how far back your dad's history goes with Disney, but that's cool. That's cool yeah. Well, it was a trip when I was learning um, a lot of these Beauty and the Beast songs recently on piano. I was able to have a phone call with Alan Minken when I was. Yeah, my, my stepfather, Chris, hooked me up with a quick phone call with Alan Mink, and I was able to, to learn a little bit. Did you no tell him way. about your fascination for the music? What, why, why, yeah. why, why did this happen? How did you? Because I, mean, I told Chris I was learning the songs. He was like, well, let me just hook you up with Alan Minken. And, <laughs> he died uh, prematurely, too, I yeah, think. Yeah, this is it. So it's yeah. there's there's just a lot of sadness there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so there's the deal. That's actually really cool. Yeah, um, yeah that's super impressive. We're going to go down a rabbit hole of the music later because there's like a weird little tidbit I've ended up learning about the music. Um, but right now, let's go ahead and start with the story itself because this is a very long story. And uh, first things first, do any of you vividly remember, not like little patches, but like vividly remember watching this movie as a child? 100% oh, yeah. I saw it in the yeah. movie theater. I think it was one of the first three movies I ever saw in yeah. the theater. And that just tripped me out. Just to, just to quickly clarify, Minkin is not dead. Ashman is dead. Minkin is oh, not dead. sorry. Yeah, yeah. My mistake. I, I, was tri- I just had to quickly check. I was like, yep. it happened right now. No one wants that. No <laughs> yeah, one wants for that. sure. No. All positive energy. I'm yes. not going to lie. I was yeah. a little confused. I was like, yeah. did you call him? And then he died after. Well, well that's what I was confused about, too. I was like, maybe he died very recently. I watched uh, the documentary on yeah. Disney Plus and yeah. I got my wires crossed. Yeah, no, uh, Ashman is the one who died prematurely. That that's that was kind of the tragic story there. Sorry, Ashman. Also, don't want to go ahead and like uh I get why you wouldn't plug in somebody who's not paying you, but you know what? I come from humble roots and I just want to say 
it is a, an unfortunate reality, but also a quite fortunate reality for some of you that all of these movies are accessible through Disney+. Plus. Now, it's unfortunate because I somehow have HBO Max, Amazon Prime, Hulu, and Netflix. I don't have Disney+. Plus, So even with the Hulu and the Amazon Prime thing, couldn't finagle in The Little oh. Mermaid. I'll get yeah. you my login later, boo. Yeah, I was feeling that too. Yeah, like, we'll get I got you that hooked VHS up. Plus. Yeah, bro. Straight to tape. I didn't realize I just had to put on the pressure. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. Ain't yes, that right? Yeah, for sure. And so uh, it was kind of sad. So I had to watch a lot of this on YouTube in clips and put it together. But it was it was actually cool in that way. It felt like I was immersed in the world because I had to pick and choose what part of it I was going to get to. So I think let's just start with the beginning. Mm-hmm. I separated this story into parts because I thought it'd be easier to talk about because there's a lot going on. So we're going to start with part one, which I have named Underwater. And so really <laughs> the story, <laughs> I know, dude, I, I had a lot of fun coming up with names for the parts. So it starts with this beautiful scene of a concert being put together. There's a giant concert. So I don't know if you guys know about The Little Mermaid, but as the story goes, all the mermaids were blessed, or the daughters of King Triton, they're called the Daughters of Triton, were blessed with beautiful singing voices. In this version, there is seven of them. Ariel is the youngest of seven. They all have names that start with A, and their mother's name was Athena. Mm-hmm. Athena in other fucking worlds has been named the goddess of... Goddess of, uh, of War. Wisdom goddess and War. Wisdom and words. Wisdom and War, and she's like a total mom vibes, right? So, and also I read that some of the daughters were named after, I think it might have been Ashman, like Ashman's friend. Andrina was named after one of their aerobic instructors because they all start with the letter A. Really? Mm-hmm. Fun fact. That's great. That's actually really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, who is this aerobic instructor, Andrina? It's wild that aerobic also starts with A. I wonder if they picked out well, of all their dancer friends that one. Yeah, a little alliteration there. Little aerobic Ariel. I would name my daughter aerobic Ariel. That's why I'm not a dad. So they're dancing and they're singing. Trying's like, let's put on the best concert. And Sebastian, who's going to be a key part of our story the whole time. He's a a little crab who's dancing around. Uh, He is the leader of the concerto. Got a great killer voice. He's doing his damn thing. And he's putting on the world's best show we've ever seen now. Weird tidbit. In this scene, in the beginning, if you look closely in the Coliseum. Donald. The what? Yes. Oh, okay. And Mickey. Mickey. sitting in the crowd. The whole gang. The whole gang just getting down to some good old underwater Coliseum shit, you know? And then Ariel, our protagonist, has a solo. I don't know if you've ever been an important person in your life, but if you have a solo and you miss it, everyone notices. And so the whole world goes crazy. Like, where the fuck is Ariel? And then one of my favorite things about cinematography, the famous <coughs> cutscene to a completely different place in time where Ariel's existent. Now, Ariel's kicking it in a grotto. And she's looking at all these beautiful, like, human things. One of them that she's playing with is a pipe and a fork. And they don't know what these things are. They're just, like, kind of fucking swimming around in it. And then the shark. Do you remember what the shark's name was? Because I have no clue. It's not actually ever said on screen, but technically I think his name's uh, Glute. G-L-U-T. Dude, that's... Or Glut. Dope, actually. Glute. Yeah. I guess it would be Glute if there was an E on the end. It might be Glut. Unless you were like... What if you were like a German or something? You Glute and Brute. Yeah. yeah. But, they, but they did base the animation for Bruce in um, Finding Nemo off of... 
him a little bit. Mm. That makes a, there's a lot of weird shit like that that happens with these Disney versions of Disney things. Disney little Easter eggs. Yeah, they create a universe and then just like make notes at Pixar too. Does the same thing. But uh, so the the sharks there, he's looking at them and he attacks them. They run away. They're terrified and they trap them in this anchor and they float away to the top in the surface of the water to get away from the shark. And this is where they meet another key player. His name is Scuttle. Scuttle is a seagull. He's a seagull who's like, I kind of relate to this guy in a lot of ways. Yeah, he's the Gilbert Gottfried of the movie for sure. <laughs> he, okay, yes, he really is. But he does his thing. And I, maybe Josh can attest to this where he boldly and brazenly claims facts over something. And he's so wrong, but no one else knows that what these things are and he just because he's so confident and acts like he knows what they are they're like yeah dude this fucking thing this this pipe and this fork they can be called snarf blats that's a totally reasonable name for them and yeah you use the fork to make uh it's to comb through hair and the pipe is for making music and nobody questions them and the only like, reason i can attest is because that's exactly who i am <laughs> i didn't realize like, and firstly you should have to, you have to understand where he's coming from he, he, he never lets the truth get in the way of a good story. No. And, you know, he's a seagull. You know, he's, he's the kind of guy who goes with the breeze. And you know what? The breeze is the truth, and that's the only truth that he needs yeah, to rely he on. He ta- squawks or talks a lot. Right, right, exactly, exactly. You know what? Before we go further, we should go ahead and really – we should piece this together. Sebastian, Ariel, mm-hmm. King Triton, Scuttle, mm-hmm. and – Flounder. Flounder. Heard. Who's who in this group? You're obviously Ariel because I've heard you sing. Whoa, whoa. I mean, like, that's presumptuous, first of all. <laughs> I could be a flounder. For sure. But you I sing be better scuttle. than all of us. This is not. It has nothing to do with you being a girl because I really thought about this and I was like, I'm deafs, Ariel. I'm I mean, deafs. I, I feel like I could be Sebastian. Yeah. Sarcasm, sure. the wisdom, you know. <sighs> I like reggae. Okay. You know, all of a sudden you might be. Yeah, but okay, you could be Sebastian actually. Be, mm, I don't know because Josh no, would be Sebastian. Yes, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Oh sure. Oh, what? thank you. And Drew's definitely floundered. For yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, I don't know. I was gonna say Trident, but you know, <laughs> he's like floundering already. Going, go with the flow, flounder vibes. I like it. Yeah, you well, got flounder vibes. I feel like flounder was like more of the scaredy cat in the entire in the entire story. He was. Thing, you know he what was I mean? a scaredy cat, but he still did it. Uh, like yes. challenged his fears. Like yeah, it's true. I was actually watching a, a show about fear, and they were talking about fear. Or the people who are fearless aren't the people who don't have fear. That doesn't exist unless you are like a sociopath or a psychopath to a certain degree. They were explaining, but what a true fearless person does, what like courage and bravery is, is seeing that fear, feeling it, it hurting, and going against every biological reason to do the thing you're gonna do. And you will yourself to do it anyways. You go, I don't care. One hundred percent. You embrace it. So you're flounder. Sure. And right. I am the avatar and Kate is Ariel and you can be Trident <laughs> as well because and you can also be I'll be Scuttle. Whatever. You'll be Scuttle. All right. Take okay, so there was a big show in a Coliseum. There's some uh, kind of Disney uh, characters in the audience. They get scared up to the surface, they get no, dragged. No, they up. go to the grotto, then they okay, get scared. They go to the, the grotto, they get scared of the surface. They meet this important character, Scuttle, who starts kind of uh, – what, what happens next? So after they meet Scuttle, Scuttle's telling her about the pipe being musical. And she immediately remembers, oh, shit, I have missed my solo. And so she rushes home. 
She gets home. Her dad, he's pissed. And um, I don't think they talk enough about this. He's a single. He's a single father of seven daughters. Widower, yes. Yeah, right. That's a really rough situation. And and from going deeper and figuring out who is, uh, Ariel's mother was, it seems like they were deeply in love too. And it was a tragic takeaway from King Triton. So this is a man who's trying to just you know provide the best he can for his seven daughters. One of them is missing. Of course, he is furious. But oh, wow. Ariel is sixteen. Mm. And she's in a rebellious phase. And she goes, I don't get why you won't let me be a person. And he's like, your mother died in my arms. I love you. Wow. So it's complicated. Kate, what do you know about this this backstory? Um, they don't go much into detail about how she died. But, you know, when he warns her of exploring the surface world, you know, he talks about how there's been experience with bad experiences with humans. And I don't know if oh, they may have been uh, she may have been fished. Perhaps. Okay. I don't okay. know. I don't, we don't know if it was childbirth. No, we can talk about <laughs> it later because okay. they do talk about it, but not until another two movies afterwards. So uh, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll we'll get there, yeah, but I don't good. think it's important right now other than the fact that single father kind of yeah. sucks. I will yeah. say Triton is having a pop culture moment right now with millennial women, like okay. all the memes <laughs> coming out. Really? Oh, he's, we... having, he's having a zaddy moment. Is it because of Jason <clears throat> Momoa? No, they're just, they're just saying like when you're young, you want a Prince Eric and then you get older and you realize... It's King Triton. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But it's a real so you you probably you get a, you're in a totally different social universe than maybe we are. Um yeah, how how do they how do they depict this? I mean, they're just they're just saying he's a zaddy and like he's oh. where it's at instead of the younger prince. That's wow. just this buff, you know, yeah, sure. long-haired silver fox. Right, right. Fucking yeah. gray beard. Fucking... So good on you, King Triton. Yeah, for sure, staying relevant. Nice abs, dude. And so anyways, uh he goes she goes back home cuz she's freaking out. And Ursula has these two eels. They are named Flotsam and Jetsam. They mm. have really shitty names. So for the rest of this podcast, I might refer to them as F and J because I thought it was smoother. Don't you dare. F and J <laughs> end up following her back oh. home because Ursula wants to keep a close eye on it. Now, the reason why, and this is when she's introduced, is because she has this bad blood with King Triton. It's oh. later depicted that they were siblings, but not till very later. In other worlds and realms, she is his daughter. And in another one, she's like, uh, I don't know. She's still the sister, but she has a deeper relationship with uh, King Triton's wife. And the wife is the only one who vouches on behalf of her. So... The main point is he banished her. So and she's, she's sour. Pissed. Oh, she's been banished. She is salty okay. AF. Wow. And she wants to take out revenge and she thinks Ariel's a quick, easy pick. Right, right. This makes sense. Okay. And this brings us to part two. Whoa. The surface and how we get to the surface. Wow. So okay. anyways, uh, they end up talking to the dad. The dad's furious and he sends Seba uh, Sebastian goes up to the King Triton after Ariel like runs away all sad and goes, damn, dude, you should keep her on a leash. Yeah, he's a snitch. He mm. is a snitch-ass bitch. Uh, kind of. Like, he is. He totally is. But also in other moments. His heart's in the right place. It is, the whole time. And uh, this snitch-ass fucking is like, you should keep an eye on her. And then uh, Trident is like, that's a great idea. Why don't you go watch her? And now Sebastian's mad because this is like the king's, like, his Right-hand man. This isn't supposed to be his job. No. Not taking care of a snotty-nosed little 16-year-old brat. Yeah, but if you're right or die like he is, you do anything the king asks you to do. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, 100%. Begrudgingly, but you do it, yeah. So well, no, you're a real-deal servant does everything with kind of grace 
and honor and uh, executes excellently. Does he turn out to, to be a kind of a good steward of that promise? Yeah, but also at the same time, he also does the same classic thing I think men, before they realize it's okay to have emotions, does, which you, you stuff, you stuff it deep. And you're like, Wait, why you, is he feeling emotional? Because he doesn't want to be in charge of watching a 16-year-old girl. He thinks he's better than that. And he's like, why the fuck am I being the one that has wow. to watch her? This is stupid. But he's, so, a, he's a very hardened character at the beginning. Like, he's sent on this mission, and in his mind... He has one job, and that's to be loyal to King Triton and to do this deed and to follow this mission, and eventually that evolves into something else. A but, relationship oh. with Ariel that's right, like almost that's like conservatorship, in. yeah. So what, almost conservatorship, not in the sense of like maybe like a true one, a true con- somebody who's like I truly want to take care of this girl. I will overstep the king's demands. I will put myself in the line of fire for her. We'll get there. So yeah, they're sure, arguing, sure. and um, Ariel's crying. Oh, and uh, she goes to her grotto and Sebastian comes in and he's like trying to talk to her about the world, like why she can't be doing shit like that. And this giant shadow kind of like hovers above them. And so Ariel just she's do you remember those girls you knew in like uh, middle school and high school that were so the TV show skins that one girl Ellie and they were just like, there's some badass motherfuckers and you can't stop them from their own curiosity and it, they don't it, it, you almost seem confident in them and so like ariel's just going up to this fucking ship and flounders like dude she's the kind of girl who does that so he just follows her nobody like really attempts to like drag her back down except maybe sebastian but they all go they're like fuck it we'll figure this out together and ariel's just like i need to see what this is and she jumps on board and she's like looking and she realizes it's a giant ship for prince eric and they're throwing him a birthday party oh wow and in this moment they're revealing this statue of him and it's this grandiose statue and his main guy i think it is grimsby it's like man we wanted to give you this for your wedding but you're so old and you're not getting married so shit we had to use this statue eventually and eric is like i haven't found the right woman yet he's like every relative at thanksgiving but towards him. Grimsby? Like, when yeah. are you getting married? <laughs> we Is bought pr- you a statue. <laughs> Is the prince framed in a positive light at this moment? Yes, he's he's a- He's humble. He's very taken aback from the statue because the statue presents him as this grandiose type knight figure. Oh. Chest he's out. Like, oh, Grimsby, like, that's not me. He's like, ugh. Does it come off as false modesty or does it seem pretty honest? No, it's it's Disney, so it comes off. It rings true. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, and he also looks sexy, but he's not like walking around like a fucking asshole, which Disney right. also does good at portraying. Sure, sure. No, they they know how to hit that fine line. Yeah, yeah. and I think Ariel overhears this like he hasn't found his true love. Sure, and he has, and he has this giant shaggy dog, which just immediately <laughs> endears you to him because oh, right, he's such a lover of dogs. How could he be a bad guy? Right, sure, sure, sure. Now, he, he can he can never he would never abuse your children because he can take care of a dog. Right, right, yeah, right. Is that do do people really feel that way? Like, dude, when you see somebody, because when I see people who have dogs, I, I usually immediately question. Oh, for sure, same. I'm just like you're fucked in the head if you have a dog. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't, I'm a cat lady. So. Yeah, me too. See, I'm also a cat lady, and so when I see people with dogs, I'm just like, you re- you really don't want to do anything with your you life don't except have a for life, take care of this dog. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you got a cat or a dog, Drew? I have neither. Yeah, it's because you're a smart guy. Anyways, this dog's a good good, good character. His name's Max. Now, this is the first time Ariel meets anything from the ground world that isn't a seagull or like a bird, I guess. Sure. And she kind of like bonds with this dog and has this attached. She's never seen one. And it's like mm. a beautiful moment. And as this is happening, 
and she this, they're all looking at everything a, a, and having a good time. A storm comes in, a hurricane. The Wait, also, turning. we can't gloss over the fact that she instantly falls in love. Like, there's violins. It zeroes in on her eyes dilating when <laughs> oh. she looks at him. Like, it's a whole moment. There, she's right. There a is a whole moment. A huge part of the Little Mermaid relies very heavily on the, you know. Initial glance. F- love at first sight. Yeah. Does it say how old she is at this time? 16. 16. 16. Which, yeah. when you're little watching this movie, you're like, oh, that's when I get married. Not and only that's when I... And you're like, oh, that's a child. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You see a 16-year-old and you're like, how are you not pregnant with four kids? Well, and how old is, how old is Eric? It's, it's not stated. My guess would be 20? 26 if he's like oh, old and not getting married. Gap, I don't know. Yeah, right. Sure. Well, I, I think that especially when you're in a royal family, you're probably expected to start courting or having a serious relationship at like 19 or 20. Honestly, 16, right. 17. So the, there's like a whole like weird right. issue of consent, like where everybody's at. And in other versions that aren't the Disney Little Mermaid, he's definitely 16. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. But in this one, he does look like a man. He does look I mature. Think it might be his 20th birthday. Why do I think I remember that? It could, oh. be, it could be his 19th birthday or 20th Maybe. birthday. That wouldn't be the weirdest thing I in the like world. I feel like Grimsby said something at one point. I just can't remember. The reason you remember that is because you wrote the fandom page about this. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Kate, would you ever be the Little Mermaid for Halloween? Um, I, would th- I think if I was going to be a Little Mermaid character for Halloween, it would probably be in the Ursula vein. Really? I just feel like, yeah. I think my Ursula time has passed guy. to be the Ariel. <laughs> you could be Athena. Yeah, it's true. Athena's the only one who looks like Ariel. Anyways, there's an expl- this hurricane comes in and it starts knocking the ship around. Oh shit! And um, they uh, a lot of these people get knocked off the boat and they all make it to shore, but the dog Max is still on the boat. And I think this is the moment if I were somebody who was attracted to somebody being able to take care of a dog that I would get my emotional heart on. But this motherfucker swims back into the depths to get his dog because he's like, this guy can't die. Saves his dog and ends up, there's an explosion. Wait, Prince Eric jumps in after his dog? No, he actually coerces the dog to jump to him. But there's Max, an explosion. Max, jump into the water. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's the other way around. Jump he's, off. he's in the water. Okay. Right, but he gets the yes. dog to jump off the burning ship and catches him. The, how, wait, wait, wait. In wait. the water. I am confused right now. The, how, the ship just lights on fire? Well, yeah, it's in the middle from? of a hurricane. Right, and, and so there's, there's, they're setting off fireworks, so there's uh, explosives on the ship. So there's this beautiful moment where, where Ariel comes aboard, locks eyes with the doggy, and kind of sees she's the statue. She's watching... The celebration from afar behind a rock. Behind She's in the water rock. watching okay. the ship from afar. I thought she had flopped aboard. No, she, no, no. Get She's onto hi- the she ship. does climb onto the ship at one point, but she hides okay. because she In can't. the beginning when okay. she first starts looking and at it's right. be- And there's, there's no sign of bad weather when she first starts. And then all of a sudden it gets real nasty. <laughs> no, this, there's a party. There's a party going on. Right. You on. would think like right. mermaids would have some intuition right. of a hurricane. Just but they, believe, they live below the weather, so they don't need to have Right, but I, I, would, I would expect that underwater there's still some repercussions. She did feel she sure, did feel sure. some yeah. in like other versions. She does feel like the water turning, and okay. she realizes like maybe something's gonna be wrong. But also, it, it literally goes from like water turning to a hurricane. It's a very abrupt storm. She's this is terrifying. She's yes. also distracted by the the, the good looking Eric. You know, right, what I mean? right. Like, so she's you know her senses are twisted. Oh, yeah. Love is blind. Yeah, yeah. And it's not her fault either. Eric's a good looking dude. Okay, you got my heart but, racing now. So but what now happens? The, the ship. There's an explosion on the ship. Okay. And Eric gets sent spiraling and Ariel saves Eric and brings him to the shore. What? And she's singing to him 
about how she wants to be a part of his world. Under the warmth of the sun, she's oh. glowing. Oh, it's so beautiful. But Eric is knocked out, kind of. And so, like, mm. there is evidence to suggest he hears it and he hears the song. But, like, as Grimsby and Max come to Eric, like, they come and find him on the shore, Ariel slips away and she just goes to hide. And um, they end up taking Eric. But Eric's like, I swear to God, there was this he, woman he who saved me. He kind of sees her because he comes to as she's like touching his face, but the sun's behind her. And it's, so it's doing that kind of blackout thing with her face so he can't see her very well mm-hmm. um, oh, so they, they, spe- they specify it's a, a, a at a glance or a glimpse oh, they use these God. words i looked into it because i was like did he see her or not because like you don't forget he sees her but it's a distorted image yes that he can remember so anyways um I'm that jealous. happens and and uh that ha- and what's her name ariel she go- ends up going home and the eels they go back and report to ursula that this is all happening. Now, Sebastian goes under, uh, they, she gets back into the underground of the sea and Sebastian's trying to convince her, hey, maybe you should Because Sebastian just... saw this all go down, so he's like, oh shit. I don't want you to go She's back She's in up love there. with a human now. Yeah. One of the best comedic parts is when his jaw drops watching her stroke him. He's oh, like, right, sure. Oh, yeah. Gaping oh, mouth. my gosh. And so he's like, let me bring her down to Earth, because if she doesn't, then her pop's going to freak out on me, and I don't even know what I'm going to be able to do. So anyways, um, he's singing Under the Sea, and this is where we get that classic tune. But while this is all going on, he's so fucking entrapped in his own fucking concerto <laughs> that Flounder sneaks in, and yeah. him and Ariel sneak out. But like, the- also, can we just talk about Under the Sea for one second? Please. Because... Uh, the story originates in Copenhagen, off of the coast of Copenhagen, Denmark. But like, we have no real geographical location for the Disney version. the The castle looks French-ish. It very but, Mediterranean but, vibes. But we're doing a full-on Caribbean song with mm. tropical fish. We okay. So, do you want to do you want to dive into that now, or do you want to dive into that after the story? Because we can do it right now. I'm super down with it. There's a whole. Sub-plot. Yeah, let's go later. Let's go. We'll get later. go later. Okay, just remind me we, we brought oh, that up because it's you a guys, whole You guys just gave hole. me the dirtiest tease. Oh, dude, you, John, I want to learn is, more. This is so up your alley. I thought oh, of you when geez. I thought about it. But anyways, they're okay. sitting under the sea, and um, Flounder and Ariel sneak away back to the grotto, and as and then he gets out of his song, and he's like, "Oh fuck, I lost Ariel." Shit. And then somebody comes to him, and he's like, "King Trident is summoning you," and he's like, "Fuck, this is the worst timing." So mm. he goes to King Trident. And he's like explaining what happens, but in this thing, he accidentally snitches about what happened. And because he's just like freaking out, he's like, I, should, we sh- I told her she shouldn't have Triton, gone. And- Triton coerces him. He's a he's a good coercer. He is, but he's also like doing that thing where he's like, You're my trusted servant. He's like, Come on, buddy. After like 20 years. Yeah, Sebastian cracks. Yeah, Sebastian's a pussy. Cracks this- like a crack. God. <laughs> and so, anyways, it cuts to the grotto. Trident's piss. Cuts the grotto. Wait, also, um, Flounder has stolen... Prince Eric's statue. Which, how did Flounder move that? What? Which is what I was wow. thinking. So that's what he shows Ariel in the grotto when they get down there. He's like, I got the statue. And I was thinking and about the whole time. she's so happy. She's fucking... In, she, this is the closest thing she has to Eric right now. And she's like looking... And it's very important that she's this happy. Because while all this happening, Triton shows up. Because Sebastian tells him where the grotto is. And Triton is furious, and he's just in that blind, I'm your father fury. And then it, 
some they end up getting into this thing where he's destroying everything. Well, yeah, because Triton realizes that she's been collecting human artifacts this entire time and filling this entire grotto with it. So he realizes she's been living the this pipe, secret life obsessed with landwalkers. So Wha- he's oh, wow. super pissed. So this is this is not just kind of a, a quick and dirty fetish. This has been no, a long No, Ariel thing. has been fascinated and obsessed with uh, anything human related or human nature. Yeah. Wow. She so has a collection. A, this grotto is dedicated. It's almost like a shrine. Part, to part of your world is song pretty much yes. wow. picks all that. Well, yep. let's, let's, let's keep going into that after the commercial break. All right. Rock and roll. Hey, guys, if you guys need to pee, go ahead and do it. Yeah. If somebody could go grab the alcohol. Yeah. From, well, I think we should make another round of cocktails real quick just to be fair and decent. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not against that idea either. Hey, I'm Brando. And I'm Owen. And we're the hosts of the best podcast ever made, Banter and Such. Each week we get together with the most interesting people that we know to talk about the things that we're just interested in. Like movies. Or video games. Or movies. Yes, or TV shows. And sometimes movies. Okay, Brando, yes, we do talk about movies quite a lot. We do, we talk about movies all the time. So anyways, check out Banter and Such anywhere you get your podcasts at. Banter, ampersand, such. Or banter, and then the word and, and then such. Or just banter, and then it fills in the rest for you automatically, and you just click on it. Either way, it's called banter and such. Want to get into some BS with us? Let's get this rolling. So where we left off is King Triton comes in and he's pissed at their underwater grotto. And so he starts destroying shit in a frenzy with his trident. And one of the things he destroys is the statue of Prince Eric. Now Ariel becomes heartbroken immediately. And there's no amount of consolation that will help this young woman get over this terrible tragedy. So she pushes away. Sebastian and Flounder after the fact. And I think it's very important to state that after every single one of his flare-ups, King Triton in the movies has a moment of like, what do you call that? Like resolve? He has a contrite un face, <laughs> if you will. And he sits there and goes, fuck, am I a bad father? And it reminds me of like Will Smith in The Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah, he, he feels guilt, but he doesn't show it to her because he has to be the strong figure for her. But he it hurts him to... To scold her. Yeah, and he, I think he also is aware of his, like, radical flare-ups, and he feels like, he he does specify, like, I think I went too hard. Yeah, but he's he's the king, man. And he also is zaddy, baby. And so, <laughs> this happens, she pushes away the two people who are trusted confidants. And so, this, now, so now she's vulnerable. She's, mm. she's vulnerable. And she's alone. She's sad. She's in love. She's probably horny as fuck. Oh, yeah. And 16 and doesn't know how to control these sexual thoughts these lustful thoughts and that is just ripe for f and j to sneak in and p- pollute her mind with mm. these thoughts and he, they go hey we got a buddy who can make this all go away somebody who can help you with your problems you should you should go see him oh shit and she does and she's like you know what fuck it take me to this this Sea witch, who is the inspiration for this drink, Madame Ursula? Oh. Does Chills. this take us to part three? Almost. Oh, jeez. Ursula starts to explain the deal. 
Now, this deal is very important because I think this is the moment where the story actually begins in almost every story. It's like, what is the, what, when you're at the crossroads with the devil mm. and you go, I will exchange this for this. So Ursula goes, hey. She's the element of magic for sure. Yes. And, and also the element of sacrifice because she provides it the first time with, you can have these things. I will give you an opportunity to have legs and you'll have these legs. You can go up to Prince Eric. However, in return, I require your voice. And if you want this, the spell will last for three days. And all you have to do is convince him to kiss you before sunset on the third day. Well, not just any kiss. A true love's kiss. Oh, jeez. Prince Eric's true love kiss. And she needs she needs the voice. Now Ariel's yeah. like, well, if you take my voice, like what like my voice, really? And Ursula goes, Well You'll have your mouth, your pretty face. <laughs> and starts to define all of the other feminine things about Ariel that would just, at the time, obviously be attractive to Basically, any guy. she's like, you'll have body language, bitch. Yeah, you're Work a fucking it. hot bitch. You don't need to talk. Shut up. And uh, Ariel says yes. And so Flounder oh. and Sebastian try to intervene, and they try to stop this from happening. But F and J sneak in and hold them down. What does Ursula get out of this? Uh, we, so if, if Ariel fails, when Ariel enters the sea witch's cavern, mm-hmm. there's all these seaweed type like creatures, polyps reaching up, mm-hmm. grabbing for her. And those are the souls of past mermen and mermaids who have had failed var- bargains with them. F- merfolk. Merfolk. Yes. So if Ariel fails in her mission, <clears throat> her soul now then belongs to Ursula and Ursula will be able to barter that with King Triton for some leverage of power. Which is the idea of why Ursula wants to do it, but ultimately the main consequence for Ariel that she is aware of is that she will become a polyp and have to be a slave of Ursula for the rest of her days. Wow. Like, do the polyps have... Are they sentient beings? Like we don't know. Are they just wow. stuck in there? Was like, it was it one of you that mentioned earlier in the show, uh, earlier that it, uh, Ursula maybe might have been a sibling to Trident or something? I wasn't yes. sure about that. Yes, yeah. and, there uh, is an origin story, but that's like a whole other. These are theoretical origin stories. People piece together with the lore of Little Mermaid. It's uh, some of it is canon or canon, however you pronounce that word. And the directors in like a like a weird interview later explain certain things being true to the origin story, but the rest of it's theoretical. In the but, movie, she seems like that aunt with just gaudy makeup. You know what I mean? She well, is. You know, she was based off of the like epic, uh, legendary New York drag queen. The animation was divine. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The more you know. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. But this is the moment that's going to bring us to part three. It's the moment that Ariel signs the contract. And now we have the first, as far as I'm concerned, Disney legal binding contract. Whoa. <laughs> Now we get to part three, the castle. It's magically binding. It's better than legal. Oh, no. It's no. It turns out the only thing better than magically binding <laughs> is legally binding, but we'll get there. So we're now we're getting into part three, the castle. Ariel's got her legs. What happens is Flounder and Seabass take her up to Scuttle. And then sea bass. Yeah, I started calling him sea. I had a friend named Sebastian when I was in high school, and I was typing all of these notes, and I had to type them in like eight different forms and then it. contract them. And I was like, this nigga's going to be sea bass, and the other one's going to be F and J. That's the way this world's going to work. Nice. Okay. So sea bass, they take her to Scuttle, and uh, she's fucking naked. And Scuttle takes like a sail kind of thing and gives it to her. 
and it's like this little dress thing. Does it look and, cute? No. Okay, so this is one of the people have problems with this scene because when she first puts on the sail with like rope, it's very rugged and it mm. looks disgusting. But at that exact moment, Prince Eric comes from around the corner and like they show her on a rock and all of a sudden it's this like perfectly tailored Cut sail meat. dress with like an empire waist rope and everyone's like, wait, what the fuck? Like how did it get so cute? All this is a big issue because right. also what happens is Eric, it's like, a you know what? What's going on? Come with me back to the castle. And no. the crab climbs into a pocket. No, this is silly. This the reason it looks silly. so good is because Eric is, is because they have a connection. Doesn't matter what she was wearing. It was I don't give a shit about okay, Prince your, Eric. Your connection doesn't create pockets. It might create a sexy dress, but it doesn't create pockets. pockets. Yeah, right. But That's a little too deep. Women don't have pockets. This right. has been a big issue in the fashion industry. I refuse right. to believe that. We love Eric's dresses with pockets. Now, back then, you didn't know you loved it because the man industry was like, women don't need pockets. They need purses. Yeah. So why would Ariel in, in 1989 have a pocket? Also, why a... would a sail have a pocket? Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> That's the biggest issue. But this is a pivotal moment because when Eric first sees her, he half recognizes her from the woman. He's like, you're the one. It's you, the one that saved me. And she's like, I can't sing. Or trying speak. to say yes, oh, yeah. but she's beating her chest because she has no voice now. Oh, and he's like, baby. and he's like, oh, well, then I was wrong. It can't be you. And everyone's like, wah, wah. yes, it is. And she's looking. She's like, man, it's me. But whatever, doesn't work out. So but she has, still charmed him. So he still takes. Her he under still his takes wing. her back, and he's like, we'll get you cleaned up, basically. Wow. So they go back to the castle, and this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. This is probably the one I. Literally rewatched over and over again. As well as this is happening, they take her to this one room, or they take her off to like a dining hall or some shit like that, and they're gonna go talk to her. Sebastian, or she goes to shower, and then Sebastian has this whole spin-off thing where there's this crazy French chef who is seafood obsessed. Louis. Oh, dude, I love seeing Sebastian in the kitchen, and he's just looking around everywhere so (laughs) frantically, and it's all these different dead seafood, like, Food creations, and he's like, "Oh my yeah, god!" He, he passes out from. Yeah, I walked into the house of like my death. devil. Yeah, and there's this whole song and number about the chef wanting to basically very, cook Sebastian. very necessary comedic relief moment of the movie. Kind of like separates you from everything that's been happening. Lets you live in this world where like uh, aristocracy and and French chef meet um, your protagonist. It's almost it reminded me of Miley Cyrus. She did this thing one time where she had these backyard sessions and she sings about her fish Pablo that she loved and she's like some of my friends eat my other friends and she's like singing about how her friends eat sushi and fish and her friends are her fish that she has as pets. And it's so sad. And I was like, "Oh, okay, this- can I go off on a we- like a slight tangent Fuck about yeah. that?" So Let's do it. So, you know, in both versions of the story, uh the king comes down on her and he's like, humans are barbarians, they're cannibals, they eat fish, blah, 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 blah. But like, the mermaids are friends with all the other sea life and the sea life also eat fish. And like, what the fuck are the mermaids eating? Is it solely kelp? Seaweed? Yo, this is a very human thing. Humans are the only group of animals that are like, I will be a vegetarian on purpose. Like, my biology doesn't mean for it, but, like, I feel for these things, so I'm going to be a vegetarian. But it's just, it's just they, a little double standardy. I've never seen them eat uh, underwater. Right. Like, 
But they're getting some out of the humans for eating fish. But like, then what do the mermaids eat? Only kelp, only seaweed. Also, are the mermaids fish or are they people? Well, they're half. It's the nature of their being. God, I'm half mermaid, half people, <laughs> I feel. And uh, so now we have this giant debacle of uh, morality as a watcher. Do I eat fish or do I let it go because it has life and it's protecting the princess? Big deal. So anyways, he runs away from the fish and then she's done showering. And the uh, Grimsby and, and Eric are like, the, the Eric's prince, Grimsby is his friend. Like, hey, do you, do you want a tour? And she's like, oh, she, okay, she doesn't say anything. But basically, the consensus is, yes, I want to go on this tour. And she ends up going to sleep. Seabass gets back with her. And she's so in love. Mm. And Seabass is like, God, you're fucking hopeless. You're a hopeless romantic. Yeah, she's had a taste of human life now. She finally got to dance where the people are, walk on the street. Yeah, I was about to say, wasn't there even a scene where she's like actually like looking at the fork and she like tries to play with her the hair? Dingle yeah. hopper? No, no, the dingle, dingle hopper. hopper. That's what it's called. It's a dingle, dingle hopper yeah, exactly. and a snarf blat. Dingle Millennial women before. everywhere will kill you if you don't call it a <laughs> dingle hopper. Last time I called it a dingle hopper, she told me to put it back in my pants and I had to apologize. So <laughs> oh, you God. say that, but I don't know. And so she's, she's playing with her dingle hopper, whatever. They go to bed. She's a hopeless romantic. The next day, they take a grand tour. It's beautiful. Oh. She's falling deeper in love with him. And there's this moment where they're on a boat in a lagoon. And it's a beautiful moment. And Sebastian, this is where I regained all my love for him. Sebastian. And oh, yeah. They're like, let's fucking set the mood. These two are boning. And so they make this, like, they, they create this. It's a, a song. mood. Now. Oh, it's a mood. It's an atmosphere. And uh, F and J are watching it. And as they should, they disrupt the entire event. I think they flipped the boat over it was. Well, oh, yeah. no. They go out on the Every, boat? Everything is built up. There's In such a, a romantic scene. Okay. And it builds up, builds up. The song's called Kiss the Girl. Yeah. Wow. And at the very end, their lips are very about, reggae. about to touch. And Flotsam and Jetsam flip their tails and flip the boat over because they're... Yeah. they're Hood Honchos for Ursula. Right. Yeah, and so does that actually destroy the vibe? Yeah, oh, yeah kills because it. they're supposed to kills. have a kiss of true love. And right. they were about to have it. The boat gets the mood is ruined. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And now they go back and report. It wouldn't herself. have been ruined for me, like just stand up and kiss each other. But Ariel and Eric are like, yeah. Okay. There's also something kind of silly about it, too. Doesn't it even sound like you're more in love? Like now you're in the water, you know? It's like, <laughs> right. it's like a playful it. love kind of thing. Yeah. But that's, for that's sure. the also, seal of the deal, like, right? Yeah. Oh, right. Like once no, they sure. kiss, like that's, that's Also, there's the, been no conversation. Yeah. Like Ariel doesn't oh, know yeah. Prince Eric. Like he's like, this is a baguette. Let's no, dance. No, let's go on a boat ride. Without any conversation, that's pretty. Have you ever. It's intense. Have you ever been with a person and uh, you had very limited conversation with them, but you were just like having this spontaneity going yeah, on? It's called you? being at play. Yeah. No, you know? no, 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 no. I mean, yes. Actually, yes. What do you mean? A hundred percent it is. It's, it's just like you're just, it's just, the music's too loud to ever communicate yeah. and you lock eyes with someone. You're like, I was but made, it, that but seems it is a more bold carnal. statement to say that a kiss of true love could come from between two people that have never actually held a conversation ever have you ever seen someone you look at them and you're looking at each other and yeah, yeah you, that's you chemistry even... that's yeah there's chemistry there. attraction but i'm talking sure. about but can that be true love oh, so don't, don't say that deaf people can't have true love i mean they oh. totally can <laughs> or mutes. that's what you're trying to say i you're mean saying mimes don't love yeah exactly. there's body language for I sure mean, yeah one 
Absolutely. And she's a fish, so she's she's used to kind of the having to express herself through the water. They have th- kind of a three right, dimensional movement. Energy. They're also totally. sixteen, so they don't know how to have a conversation. <laughs> right. Hormones Thank are God they didn't open their mouths. It probably would have ruined the whole vibe. <laughs> Movie would have been over. Yeah, in for sure. One, dude. Yeah, right. She's like a spoiled. She's not a spoiled brat, but she's acting like oh, one. Oh, Eric, you're a fuckboy. Bye. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so now. Ursula is livid because Ariel's making great progress. She's making moves. She's okay. making fucking moves. Like, she can't speak, and this nigga's about to kiss her. And so Ursula decides to be... Have you ever seen Emperor's New Groove? We yeah. Should, we should of do that course. episode. So he does... Uh, also Hans Christian Anderson. Is it really? Yeah, actually it is. And then that's what made me want to... It's part of the first nine that he put together in his little anthology of stories. But... um. And actually, Ursula is very reminiscent of the lady. What's her name? Um, oh, shit. Oh, I, I never looked into it. But no, like, it's, I think it starts with an M. I'm, I think it starts with an M as well. Um, that lady. Anyways, yeah. Ursula does the same thing. She speaks the same way. Might be the same person. Not sure. But she oh, turns. Oh, Irene. It starts with an I. Isma. Isma. Is, oh, it is Isma. Isma. Okay, yeah. It is Isma. And she has an Isma vibe. And she turns herself into a vixen whose name is Vanessa. Dude, bodied Vanessa. Up. This bitch. Hot. Oh, jeez. She pulls like that move from like Snow White where the wish is like, you know. Yeah, but not to... only that, she has Ariel's voice trapped, which <sighs> Prince Eric heard because he heard her sing on the beach. So she manifests that into this magical seashell necklace. And she deceives him. That will provide her with Ariel's, Ariel's voice. voice. And she uses that to mesmerize and hypnotize. What a dirty Eric. trick. Yeah, and they did. are now meant to be wed. And that puts us at part four. Also, one day engagement. Again, here we are. <laughs> I mean, this, to, to be fair, this time he was magically hypnotized. Yes, but, but like also on top of it, to be fair, classic women shit, dude. This is classic Wait, women so how, how does it go? How does it go with the vixen? So now we're at the wedding. On a boat. On a boat. She's fucking... Uh, like she's one, and now uh, Ariel. Wait, 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 wait. Vanessa won. They're already about to get married. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, and it's Ariel just the voice. Him announcing like, and he has like zombie glowy eyes because he's been hypnotized. And oh. Ariel runs down the the bedroom corridor and witnesses him announcing his marriage, and she's just devastated, like eighth grade style emo, like s- slides down the wall crying, like oh. so But Vanessa about it. does a great job at rising no suspicion. So nobody, even Ariel, doesn't know that That's some Ursula. fishy business is going on. Yeah. Yet. Yet. Nobody knows. Now okay. they go into the boat. They go to the wedding. Ariel's heartbroken and sad. I think she stays behind at first. She does. She's like, yeah. fuck this wedding. Like, do I want to watch the man I love get married to some bitch? Not only that. Probably do I not. See... I'm not that masochistic. It's right. I'm going to stay behind. Whoa. Also the third day. So she's also saying, do I want to see my demise happen in front of me? Do I want to watch them be wed and me lose as the sun sets? And at Especially. this very moment, Friends in Low Places was written by Garth Brooks. <laughs> and then oh, 10 years later, he went to go sign Solange's guitar table. <laughs> right. Like, and so they're they're fucking on the boat. Ariel's Plot sad at home. Scuttle, scuttle. The main nigga, the only guy, and this is why I sympathize the with him. Yeah, fly or die. He's oh, that's so good. They're literal wingman. The, yeah. Oh God, they're <laughs> killing it, Kate. They get, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's flying uh, around the ship. He goes to the port hole. I learned so many ship references in these two stories. And the port is on the hole. Left. Oh, and port, port is right. right. And starboard's right. 
Hey guys, I said I learned a lot. Not everything. Well, women are always starboard and men are always wrong. Yep. That was dope. That was good. I'm going to fist bump you for that. If you don't fist bump me, everyone watching is going to laugh at me. So now he he parks porthole <laughs> and he's watching Vanessa like talk and like kind of like sing about how she's like fucking going to do it. It's going to be dope. She uh-huh. She's exposing herself. She's in a mirror reflection. He catches her and he sees Ursula. Jeez. And he's like, oh shit. So he flies back and he tells the homies. He's like, yo guys. This is fucked up. We need to do something. But also on the way, he's like alerting all marine life. Like, homies, let's go. We got to roll. Rally the troops. That's it. Okay. So they devise a plan that they're going to take back over the ship. So now Scuttle has acquired the fucking A-team. And the beauty of this team that I think is important to announce, it's not just marine animals. There's fucking bluebirds out here. That are, are. Bat- battling for Ariel. Like he acquires every- So Scuttle not only is Maritime that nigga, animals. He's got all the homies. <laughs> okay, so all the homies show up and what? what so they, they bring out a mirror also, or what? Well, most importantly, <laughs> he has to alert Ariel first and be like, listen, like. Hey, we have a game plan. He's not in love with this random chick. Yeah. That's with Ursula you. disguised as a random chick. So she's right. like, oh shit, I got to fight for Great. my man. Sure. So she, like, they clip off barrels. She jumps into the waters. Dolphins come to help pull her. They're like, we're going to the boat. We're going to save the day. Fucking we got a professor ride out ludicrous style. Dude. Okay. So, okay. So she makes it to the boat. She gets to the boat. And then in this, they start a distraction. Like there's a, just animals everywhere. It's a whole fucking hubbub. Everyone's like disoriented. And they're getting married. The wedding ceremony is Damn. happening. It's, it's on. That's right. what it is. And uh, Which one of the urban legends is that the priest perf- or the reverend performing the marriage gets a boner? That's like one of those why Easter eggs. Why? No, it's a thing. It's like you can see it like go up. I guess Whoa. it's like it's like how they say in the Lion King. It says sex. In yeah, like yeah, sure. Yeah, I feel yeah, like Disney's had a lot, or like especially. It's in one the... of those weird. Just like also the VHS that I have of the Little Mermaid. Yeah, the top of the, the castle tower. is it's a, a penis. Yeah, it's Atlantis phallic. or whatever. Yeah, sure. I remember all right. Here, we're stopping the wedding though. Everyone pitching a tent at the convent. That's this. You've thought of that before. It just happened now. Uh, and so they're all fighting. Max and Scuttle managed to, in this whole moment, wrestle Vanessa and get the necklace off her and break it. Which is the which is like the thing. Which the is voice. the thing. <gasps> and so they take this necklace, they break it. Ariel is immediately granted her voice again. It breaks at the bottom of her feet, and, and also Max fulfills her. Max no longer. I mean, not Max. Eric is no longer under the spell. It also breaks the hypnotism. Okay, so she has her voice back and she gets and on the boat? she starts to sing and instantaneously when he hears her voice and puts it with her face, Knows. he's like, it boom, was boom, you. Boom, boom, You're boom. the one. You're wow. my love. But the sun is setting. And she tries to, and oh Ursula, Vanessa, tries to stop them from kissing. But she de- this is when she realizes she's no more Vanessa. And she screams, "Is Ursula. And they're like, what? She's Ursula. But... That was enough time to distract them from the actual final moments of the setting of the sun. So even though they were right there, that little brief moment is what kept them from their kiss. And sun goes she down. she turns back into a mermaid. And Ursula drags her back down into the water. And that brings us to part five. The what happened final to part four? Five. That was part four, the wedding. Oh, wedding. fuck. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So let's just jump into the wedding. Let's get through this last part. Wait, she she loses. So the movie's over. The whole you vibe would think is gone. That this is why I told you this whole needs to be a whole episode. Is because I literally thought this movie should have been over like forty five minutes ago, and then I kept reading not, and kept it's watching. It's a ninety minute movie, eighty nine minutes maybe. It's eighty eight actually. I think it's one hour and twenty. And what minutes. year did it come out? Nineteen eighty nine. So I definitely <gasps> didn't go. I definitely didn't Jinx go to the opening. Uh, y'all, y'all definitely need to give some. I must have gone to some sort of like other thing. No, they re I, they re release and put out. Film. So this is the last. Last film that was made with that digital 2D art form style before okay. or before they started using purely like uh, no it wasn't digital it was right before they went digital and started okay. using digital and paint on digital platforms okay and so they did re-release this movie in theaters I think in 1990 something no so they did th- it in like 2011 too. They did. They do. Wait, it was the 2011 times. the one where they did the big remastering and things like that, or yeah. was it before yes. that? No, yes, but they, there was a, a there was another time in the 90s where they released. She, she's shaking it again. that off. They, they went ahead and removed all the, the dicks from everything. You know? No, yeah, no. right. They, they re-released <laughs> the it again in the 90s. Phallic free. A lot of it had to do with a director or some kind of producer who was on board when they were making Snow White. And they were doing Little Mermaid. He dies before the Little Mermaid is released. Wow! And then they re-released the Little Mermaid again in the '90s on in theaters. But I can't remember what year it was and for what reason. But they did do it again in the '90s in theaters. So and what we we'll do for the audience is we will link to this in the show notes the the real history of the like the release history of uh, yes, of this movie. I'll, I'll put it in the end. But uh, anyways, let's go to the final fight. So now, oh Jesus, fucking Ursula is taken by Ariel. King Triton has been made aware of everything that's going down. And Triton goes for Ariel. He's like, I need to get my baby back. Yeah. And this is what brings it. Huh? What were you going to say, babe? Nothing. No, now Ursula is in possession of Ariel. As a polyp, as a slave. Right. Triton's over there trying to negotiate it. And this is when we brought up in the beginning why I said the only thing more binding than a magical contract is a legal contract is because he's literally like, fuck your contract. I'm king of the sea. And she goes, you can't break it. It's legal. And because Ariel signed a legal contract, he cannot break it using any amount of magic. And this is where, yes. But she's not a legal adult. She's 16. Well, but. But he's. Actually, age of consent. Contracts can, no, contracts can, you know, you can have contract with someone under 18. But I'm surprised she didn't have to have some sort of parental. It's a magical contract. But because it's a magical contract, his magic can't break it. Wait, so did J.K. Rowling like jack this from from uh, Little Probably. Mermaid? Probably. Because I, I just happened to watch uh, the magical contract in Harry Potter last night where it's like if you break this contract, you die, you know, and that, that little thing wraps around their hands and all that. No, because yes, but no, because this is something that's not like if you break it, you die. She can't break it. She's bound. There's no if you. It's this is it. What do you mean she's bound? No, there's the other side of the contract. If she would have kissed him in time, she would have been fine. Okay, yeah, but also at the same time, that's not breaking the contract. That's fulfilling. Breaking would be going. No, it's not, out neither of the neither terms. side is breaking. If Trinan went and took Ariel back you as his daughter, your side or, you or someone else fulfills their side, right. yeah. and that's where we get to where Triton figures out a way to do this. Wait, this is Somebody... so this all comes down to some sort of legal maneuver? <laughs> yes, <No>. yes, <laughs> and the only Wait, way that's that she no, yes, because the only way that she gets out of this. Is because Triton signs his name in the contract in her place, so it's literally all legal mumbo. There's no grand fight. Well, that's just one for one. It's one for one, which is the eye for eye code of Hammurabi. It's still solved within a legal judicial context. Which was Ursula's original plan. Okay, she wanted to barter her soul for Triton. But the fact that this all happened through. Through contract law is amazing. I can't wait to see I the mean, Supreme Court like, decision. Yes. yes. Right? right? Yes. 
Like what? this is intro. Like what? So what? Did Please anyone like appeal to this? The barrister of magic. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I feel like Sebastian should have been barrister of magic. But what happens is, uh, because she signs, uh, Trine signs himself off. Deal is done, and now Ursula has become the queen of the sea. Now the oh. whole time this is going on, she takes his crown. It falls. He's Wait, like so this a, this is a sad like movie. Sad oh, no, 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 it gets better. No, this is a sad it movie. Gets, she so, puts she puts the crown on, starts cackling, and starts brewing uh, a storm. Immediately. <laughs> but Eric, Eric, meanwhile, I was, was about on to the say, boat. Eric, where's he doing yeah. this entire thing? No, this nigga gets the rowboat on the side of the boat and yep. just starts going for Ariel. He's like, "That's my B. I'm gonna go." He's, he's, he's hero style. Like he's going for it. And what a hero! So now Ursula and Ariel are in their world. And Ariel gets so mad that she fights Ursula. She attacks Ursula. And Ursula is about to kill Ariel, pointing trident. And right before this happens, and I think this is the coolest thing, as a man looking up to another man in the purely stereotypical realms of what men should do, he fucking harpoons her. And Ursula's like, and he's like, ah. And now all, all of a sudden, Ursula's like pissed because she can't die. She's the queen of the sea at this moment. And she sends the eels to go drown Eric. And this is when Flounder and Sebastian come back. Wait, so dude jumps in the water and harpoons? Yeah, he's like I guess like he has like a giant a yeah, harpoon and yeah. he harpoons Ursula. He is the coolest dude. Right? <laughs> dude, Archer yeah. is fuck without yeah. the arrogance. For sure. Yeah, and so now Flounder and Sebastian are like, we got to take care of our niggas. So they go start fighting the eels. And um, it's the big conflict. This is the pinnacle fight. Everybody's fighting each other. And um, while these the the two are fighting the eels, and Ariel's trying to convince Eric to like go somewhere, and Eric is like, "No." She grabs Ursula's hair because Ursula's like trying to fucking kill people, and she like just dis- like not distracts her, but like. You know, if you're holding a gun and yeah, and you slap the gun out of someone's hand and they misfire, she kills the eels on accident. So now she's fucking pissed and she starts growing into, you know, like Frieza and Dragon Ball Z when she goes into the next form. Sure, sure, yeah. She evolved. She gets big. She's huge. She becomes like 10 story Ursula. Oh, yeah. She's like the Kraken at this point, right? And Prince Eric and Ariel are hanging on the crown up top. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that this moment of Ursula and all of that is very Cthulhu origin based. Yeah, and that's where like it's Zeus. coming from. Yeah, and um, so, anyways, they're fighting in this moment. They she just killed her two trusted confidants. She's pissed. She just wants retribution against who she believes is at fault, which is Eric and Ariel. So, in her middle of her growing, she whips up a whirlpool. Now, this whirlpool starts lifting ships from the ocean floor. Eric gets on one of these ships with a splintered bowsprit. I think that's the part of the ship that's that little stick that sticks out at the end of the ship on the front end, you know what I mean? That, like, pull thingy that kind of, I think, allows for it to just kind of, like, break the water as it's, it's bow? going forward. Uh, that's funny, because yeah. I don't actually think that it or has Or it might be a... bowsprit. It might be pronounced bowsprit or bow space okay. sprit. I don't ba- know. Bow is, I it's believe... It's the front of the boat. That's the, the end of the, so it looks like the, a key, giant the very end of the queue. Right. right, I'm not sure if it actually has a kind of a functional navigation feature. I think it's actually just so aesthetic. you can... Aesthetic? I think it's aesthetic. To break through the water. To, like, no, you but, see that no it's just of... because it's actually, it goes beyond, the only the whole of the boat can break the water. Oh. And usually this thing extends past the mm-hmm. whole of the boat. 
Yes, it so does. It's yeah. almost. I think it's just kind of an homage to the Titanic, so everyone can have a romantic moment on their sailboat. I would hope so because this is the most romantic moment of all. Is when they're spinning in the whirlpool, oh. and Ursula is uh, gathering everything to take her aim at Ariel. She's ready to kill Ariel. Ariel has already told her love to abandon her. He said he wouldn't, but now he's on this ship, and Ariel's swimming through this. <laughs> and right as Ursula is about to shoot Ariel, and this is. Quite literally, oh, the fuck. second most badass thing she gets shot. Eric rams the entire fucking ship with the splintered bowsprit, bowsprit straight into Ursula underwater, wow. and she. Ex- it's actually one of the most violent death deaths in, in Disney, Disney history. Holy, she explodes nuts. into straight organs her, everywhere. Like, comes out the other side. Really? Wait. So he wait he. He tips the boat into the water and blasts. Boats in no, the water. It was lifted from the, the water. She's oh, she's outside the water. She's grown to be oh, okay. like seventy. Yeah, she's up above the, the horizon line. And there's a bunch of whirlpools going Holy on, so nuts. you have all this energy of movement already going. It's not like he magically forced this with his arms. <laughs> um, but yeah, he does direct it. This is insane. Okay, so she gets murdered. She gets marked okay. by this nigga, Wrecked. and uh, which is a, actually a nautical term. Really? Yeah, because merc makes engines. And Kate's cool. nodding her head like she might know more about the word murk, but I think they I no, think that makes just, sense. Yeah, yeah. So she gets murked. She gets murked. Sorry, that's all I gotta say. Go ahead. King Triton is now re- released from his spell. And so are all of the other polyps. Because she got macked. Okay. And now yeah. all so the merfolk are, merfolk are free. Merfolk are free. But Eric, he gets sent to shore. And I think I have I can't remember if he was unconscious when he gets to shore at this point. When she tapes him back. But I do know that um, Ariel's staring at him, and Ariel's like lovingly staring at him. And King Triton, this is the first moment he realizes that his daughter's genuinely in love with her. And he goes, you know what? We're just going to do it. So he grants oh. her. He finally realizes. So, he, yeah. He's gives selfless. her permanent humanity. Wait, King Triton does that for his daughter? He, he could have done it to start with, but he was just a crotchety old fuck. No, man, he probably had his own thing. He's just a protective him. dad. I get it. But like, well, also, he's got a dynasty to protect. If he literally think about the fact that he's widowed, I didn't even yeah, think about the dynasty seven issue. Seven right? daughters, and no. she's the youngest. And she would also. Oh, be, she's the young. She yeah. is the baby. Yeah. She's yeah, the baby. She's the baby. Oh, okay, so he's just being a weirdo. She also would have been his princess. It wouldn't be the other way around, where he's marrying into Trident's kingdom. She would be married into, into his. Prince Eric's kingdom. Right. No, she, she, she's losing one of her. He's losing one of her. He's losing his daughter forever. She was his fucking favorite. Let's be honest. She no, really like, was. She well, was, she's the baby. She's always going to be the he baby. He got mad at her for being wily and independent and rebellious. She but loved, like, he loved he it. He loved it. Yeah. I think this one always gets yeah. away with things. You know what I mean? All right, yeah. guys. Now that we're getting close to the end of the story, I'm just going to tie it off because I want to kind of touch on that for like five more minutes before we end this uh, episode. But the Merfolkle Free, Lance, long story short, She's given permanent humanity. She can live with Eric. They have a beautiful wedding on a boat so that she can say goodbye to her family. And then this scene, the whole movie ends with them all being happy with the end result and her kissing Eric. And it fades to black to show that this true love will last for forever. Oh, and that's the end of it. That makes me so happy. Now, the reason why I wanted to wrap this up and end it is so that we can step back for a few seconds. You owe me a favor, bro. It better be about that song. Let's go ahead and talk about the song. So my first Under question. My first question. Some bonus like, content. Let's do it. Also, The Little Mermaid is top five best Disney soundtracks of all time. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so if it's in the absolutely. top five, like what what like give me give me three others. Aladdin, um, I would 
easily say Beauty and the Beast. Yep, for sure. Um, I would I would venture to throw a Hercules in there. Fucking Lion wow. King. I was about to say even hey, like the y'all movie. got any oh, modern King. shit Lion in there? King. I mean, did, yeah. Frozen well, or like any no, of those no, 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 no. That's, Hercules that's is better generation. than Frozen. Now everybody, everybody, shut the fuck up for five seconds because you're about to go into the rabbit hole Malaku went down that you're all talking about that I don't think you realize are. You are. Well, but what's number one? Let's start with my first question, which was, why was Sebastian Jamaican? Oh, you're fucking with me right now. Looked into it. Not only was he not Jamaican. Please tell me. So, I know, I know a little bit about this, and I can't wait to hear what your take is. Okay. Originally, he was supposed to be a lobster, and he was going to be British. The writers changed it. <laughs> this is because, fucking bullshit. No. The writers changed it because they thought it was too stuffy, so they let We're the actor. Sources, they changed man. him to a, a crab, and they were going to go with a more uh, Caribbean feel. And the guy who does the voice couldn't do a Jamaican accent. It's a Trinidad accent Dude. that he's doing oh my for gosh. the I whole apologize thing. For saying that then. No, it's okay because I thought it was Jamaican too. But he was from Tr- the accent was from Trinidad. He didn't think he could do a Jamaican uh, Jamaican accent, and they loved his accent and they went with it as a Trinidadian accent. Is this actual fact or is this, this is just like actual a fact? They went the, the people who directed this had a. a online conference and they talk about a lot of this shit and one of the other things they did is once they went with the Jamaican thing that's when they rewrote all the music to give it more of a Jamaican fun reggae vibe and Trinidad How, really so, and is that why we don't know where the geographical location is so the argument is it's in the Mediterranean Sea now I will tell you that's why. what I was hearing too like this I was is, kind of yeah for sure it wasn't that, French now let's no but there's a lot of French architecture well, which is why I was heavily contested no but now no, because France had a stake and in, it's also above Spain there's a lot of reasons why no, for sure, be French yeah. influence yeah. on top of that what nobody's recognizing is he is a prince and they specify it is very easy for a prince to put things that are not from his geographical world in his geographical world like flamingos and palm trees okay. it wouldn't be that weird yeah for Rich sure people have done it forever but the reason also why, French Polynesia and no like, no I think they just need to Hold on, this hold on. We're like going to get dizzy. deeper. We're going to get deeper. Where's Ariel's mom? So now the argument for and this is what tied all of this together because after you ask that question, you go into the deepest rabbit hole. Where's Ariel's mom? Turns out in later movies they talk about how Ariel's mom was brutally attacked by pirates. Oh no. Now there's a bunch of Disney conspiracies that are talking it was specifically pirates it was just what happened like pirates would have been cool with the mermaids they would have been mm. like fuck those guys on land like we're cool with you it Unless- also means that Ariel's mom was doing some big business <laughs> worth Ooh, yeah. getting access to the pirates attention but, like, but then the then like- you guys get the movie Peter Pan, which is where people are starting to tie connections. These are not connected. Hold on. That's in the Hold air. On. Peter Pan has much. a giant friendship with the merfolk. The biggest fear uh, of the merfolk is, like the, is the Captain Hook. Now, there's a split moment where they talk about how Captain Hook this went on insanity. adventure and brutally murdered a mermaid, which is what sparked all of this no, mermaid no, 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 no. fear in the merfolk in Peter right, Pan. Kate, what is your understanding? Connection. Kate, what is, is your understanding? 100% absolute bullshit. How do you figure? Because if you're talking about the Pixar universe, fine, I get it. There's a timeline. These are all creative stories. Like Peter Pan was established literature. Little Mermaid was established literature. Like you can't just like no because those they were no established reason, literature, not, but like, Disney turned them into visual movies that were different from the literature, and then no, created a universe. Hold on, bu- the rabbit hole gets deeper. Now they have also pointed to signs that Hercules, which we talked about earlier, is Ariel's 
first cousin once removed. No, I'm well, not we're with mythology. Triton no. is the son also, of Poseidon. Like, Hercules, Hercules is the son mythology. of Zeus. Ancient mythology. If you follow that line, just in the Hercules and the Ariel world, yeah. they are Ariel's inherently in like first cousins. They both have red hair and genetic similarities that would only be present. Hercules has blonde hair. No, Hercules ends up having a red hair appearance, and as and nobody else in that universe does. And it's argued that it's a recessive gene that the two had. Now, Ariel's mother and a person that's brought up in the Peter Pan world. The only reason they made Ariel's hair red was because Splash came out with Daryl Hannah and Tom Hanks, and they they wanted to like they wanted differentiate to differentiate Ariel from the from rest, the and they hair. gave her an emerald tail, which is also a... different. Now, the only other person who has it is two other people in this universe: one, Ariel's mother in the later uh, Little Mermaids, and two, a mermaid that is Fuck referenced later in Little Peter Mermaids, Pan, who is referenced in Peter Pan, who has the same exact color of tail and hair, which would have been genetic things that could only exist if they were all tied to some kind of genetic ancestor. I don't subscribe to this theory. No, No. I hear you guys. So take this. This is Josh. You've been listening to Fairly Odd Fairy Tales. You're going to have to tune into the next episode to hear the rest of this debate. And this is Malaku, who's telling you, thank you guys for being a part of this. Thank you, Helios Network, for giving us a chance to do this. Thank you, Kate, for being... Not only super knowledgeable, because most people aren't on these subjects, but also being fucking ride or die down whenever I can call on you. Super sick. We're going to do the second episode soon. And thank you to you two for being a part of this episode. You guys killed it. Drew and Josh, way to keep yourselves gangster the whole time. And also remember, guys, good night. Remember to drink and read responsibly, or you might think that you're important enough to start a podcast.